0: Welcome to Christian Impact, impacting your life with spiritual truth. I am Dr. Kelly Blanton, and I'm sharing practical truths in the Bible that can truly change your life. Today is August 31st, 2022. We continue our series, Chronicles of the Kingdom. This is Lesson 34, The World and the Kingdom Domain. We have been talking about doctrines, and the word doctrine means teaching, and we have seen in the past of the church and during the church age that there are many doctrines that have been adopted that offer little or no hope for man or the world in this present life. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, you know the history, the medieval time, sometimes called the Dark Ages, were dark for a reason. It had to do with a, a loss of civilization, a loss of the ability to read and write. It was a dark time, and the church itself developed many doctrines or teachings that were off track, that took it away from the truth. And I want to look at two of these teachings in regards to the world. And we're going to also compare the world to the kingdom domain or the domain of the kingdom. And Anyway, two of these teachings is one, the church taught that it really it produced teachings that released man's responsibility to preserve or care for the natural systems of our planet. They created a lack of appreciation for the creation that God had given us. And the second thing these teachings have done is they produced a lack of respect for life on the planet, and in doing so, a lack of respect for man's exciting potential with God. Now, as we think and meditate on those and go, what does this have to do about the world and the domain of the kingdom? Well, let's start off with the words of Jesus in John 10.10. 10. Jesus said, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy, but I have come that they might have life and they may have it more abundantly. See, it's in the nature of God to give life, to heal, to deliver Jesus wants to give abundant life. And it, there's something else that is stealing, killing, and destroying. And that's the thief, that's the devil. And the scripture speaks very clearly about what God's going to do to such a thief. Revelation eleven eighteen 18 says, And you shall reward your servants, the prophets, and the saints, and those who fear your name, small and great and should destroy those who destroy the earth now stop a second there god's saying he's going to destroy those who destroy the earth what what's what's going on here you know there's there's a scripture and i'm going to go ahead and get it out of the way and we may look at it a little later but in 1 john chapter 2 verses 15 through 17 it says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. So, and and there are, there are more scriptures. Uh, I think this is just one that sums it up. But we're told not to love the world. And the world has not good stuff in it, and we're not supposed to have our feelings and and attach to it. But I also want us to look at the world because it is a creation of God. And here you have in you know, Revelation, God says, I'm going to destroy those who destroy the earth. Well, what does this mean? Well, we can also just look at the simple scripture, John 3.16, for God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son. Now, it's easy for us to say, well, when he was saying world there, he was really talking about people. He was talking about all the people in the world. But let's let's look at the the word. The, the word world in the Greek is cosmos. And so, in the Greek it says, for God so loved the cosmos. It's where we get our word cosmos in English. And when we say cosmos, we think about the universe, uh, all of creation, The heavens. Um, But the Greek word cosmos, uh, the definitions uh, mean orderly arrangement, decoration, the world. uh, And also, it it highlights when it says the world, it also means in a sense that includes all of its inhabitants, literally or figuratively. Um. It also comes from a root word, the base root word, gomizo, which means to tend, to take care of, to provide for. Now, this is important because when you look at the cosmos, and we're seeing it as the world, the creation, the universe, it includes all of its inhabitants, but the root word is about being to tend to take care of or to provide for so the idea is that the cosmos was created by God to be a provision for something the cosmos is a provision for something of course we know that something is us uh, mankind, humankind Um, you can try to bring in plants and animals but when you look at Genesis, and we're we're going to look at Genesis uh, in just a second. But when we when we see that in Genesis, you have plants and animals, but those were made for for humans because it was mankind that was given dominion over the plants and the animals. Mankind was given dominion over the earth. Over the cosmos, although in Genesis it's Hebrew, it's Greek, is New Testament. But I, I want us to to see and understand where we're coming from at the, at the very beginning of this. That that God has created this creation, and it was made for our provision, and God loves His creation. But he doesn't love the world, as in what? Well, if we look at that scripture from first, from first John, it says, "Do not love the world or the things in the world." There's something inside his creation that causes him not to love it, and of course, we know that is sin. That's product of the fall. But notice what he says, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him, for all that is in the world. So what is in the world? He says, don't love the world or the things in the world. What is in the world? For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. So we have to understand, God loves the creation that he created. Let's just look at that scripture, Genesis 1. Chapter 1, I'm going to read verses 8 through 10. And there's a reason, I'll get to that. But 8 through 10, And God called the firmament heaven, so evening and morning were the second day. Then God said "Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let dry land appear, and it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and he gathered together the waters, he called the seas, and God saw that it was good. So, in those verses we see God's created the heavens, and I don't have time for the teaching, but those heavens is not the sky and the stars. That's on day four. This heaven is the spiritual realm of heaven in which angels live in. And then he created the the earth, the the dry land, the firmament it's called. He's creating the physical realm. And he says it's good. When God created that creation, when he created our cosmos, it was good. I you not know day two when he made the heavens and the angels, he didn't say that was good. That was the only day of creation out of all those days of creation. You know, the six days of creation. He rested on the seventh. But he said they are all good except for the second, which is the heavens. Uh, he didn't say that was good. But when he made the cosmos, well, that's, that's good. God loved the cosmos. But now that sin has entered into the cosmos, he tells us not to love it. Because why? Because the cosmos is filled with three things. The cosmos is filled with... Not with love, but with lust. It's filled with the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And that is not of the Father. And we're told not to to love those things, not be associated with those things. It's one thing to love the creation that God created, but we're not living exactly in that creation because we're not living in a creation that is full of lust and evil. And if we turn our eyes to this world, not the world God created, but to this world, it causes us to uh, enter into darkness. Um, however, God is restoring, we've been going through this, the part of restoring what fell from the, the fall. And and I want us to look at this, because this is where we're really heading, is what about this world? What about, I mean, we know God is saving us. He, he, the the cross, he, he saved me from this, my sin. He is saving me right now and he will save me in the future when I stand before him. You know, what about this world? What about this? We're talking about kingdom. How do we live in the kingdom? But we're also in this world and we're called to be in the world, but not of the world. Um, and there's, it can get confusing at times because I'm in the world, but God says don't love the world. But he wants me to take care of his creation. And see, that's one of the false teachings is we get a sense that we want to hate the world. But really what we're supposed to hate is the sin and darkness in the world. But God's creation... We want to. We should want to see restored. We we should want to see the dominion that we were given returned, restored. That should be our, our thought process. That should be our heart's desires. When you, when, as a Christians, you know, there's so much going on in the world today. There's so many topics, and you start talking about environmentalism. And as Christians we've sort of kind of been out of this conversation and it's difficult because so much environmentalism today is so left focused it's 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 not Christian at all. Uh, I, I saw a great meme on the internet a little picture the other day uh, that sort of illustrates this it showed a, a person and they were they were wearing a save the the Wells T-shirt, and they were out in the country, with the birds, and the and the streams, and the fresh air, and the trees, and they yelled, "This is terrible! We're destroying the planet!" And then they showed the next picture, and the trees were cut down, and they'd put in uh, all the windmills to generate electricity, and the windmills were killing birds as the birds flew into, and they were falling down, and the the rivers had been um, dammed up so that they could get you know electric power and. And and anyway, it looked like an industrial landscape. You know, you got your lithium factories, mines out in the background of the picture that destroyed the environment. And you had all this stuff and then the fish being harmed by the dams and, and, and the environmentalists saying, there, I've saved the world. But the, the tranquility of nature was totally destroyed by their environmentalists save the planet stuff. And as Christians, we we should want to take care of our planet. You know, we shouldn't want to pollute our planet. We should we should be the forefront of, of speaking about what is good stewardship of our planet. And realize that, no, we don't want pollution. But at the same time, there's pollution that goes the other way that environmentalists pollute by going to another extreme. Um, you know, there's a lot of conservative things that you can do just to knowing how to, quote, clean up forests. Sometimes in California, they're so avid about just letting the forest be what it is that they have forest fires that destroy acreage because they don't allow the park service to go in and clean up the forests so that you don't have the dead tender and the things that cause fires um most most of the time you think about hunters well they're out to kill animals be true hunters actually want to preserve animals and there's a lot of things about, you know, making sure you tag, making sure you follow things, uh, making sure you don't pull out fish if they're not ready. If they're too young, you don't want to because you don't want to destroy the species. You know, fishermen want to go and catch big fish, but you can't catch big fish if we if we catch them all. Um, we're not the same as the ignorant people that tried to hunt out the buffalo to extinction. Um, those, those, those people in that time of history were weren't evil they were ignorant of the fact that there was only a finite number you got to remember back back in these times they they saw herds of millions and millions and millions and there wasn't that many people and so the idea of me hunting them all to extinction that wasn't really in their mind and as more people moved in and more things happened they began eradicating species now buffaloes are not extinct and they are on are in the comeback but it's because It took a while for people to wake up and realize we want to save these animals. They're disappearing. And that's good stewardship. We want to preserve creation. And I'm getting on a little soapbox. Let's get on with our study. Because what I want to get to is that there's a vast difference between having a loving concern for the cosmos or the cosmos, the way God created it, versus uh, seeking to possess or consume the cosmos from the lust of the flesh, the lust of eyes, and the pride of life. Now, how do we deal with that? Well, you know, Galatians 5 16, 17 says, Then I say, Walk in the Spirit, and you should not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. They're contrary to one another, so that you have to do the things that you wish. So ultimately, Taking care of our creation, the cosmos, is about walking in the Spirit. If we walk in the Spirit, then we will value what God values. We will love what God loves. And in doing this and, and beginning to have a, God, I want to love what you love, God, help me to know this. We begin to see that there's something That's inseparable between mankind and the cosmos. You know, what, what, what do, what do I mean about that? Well, you know, going back to that, we have to understand that, you know, there may be one planet, there's one earth, but there's two worlds going on here. There's the kingdom dominion, and then there's the dominion of darkness, but there's only one cosmos. And the kingdom of darkness is the one that is promoting the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. But there's this other part of the cosmos that has a heart of God. It it has something of the Lord in that. And so with that, let's let's look at some scriptures here. Romans chapter 8, verses 20 through 22 says, For the creation was subjected to futility. Not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself will also be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Now, when we look at this scripture here, notice it says it's talking about the creation was subject to futility. What is futility? Well, futility is uselessness, meaninglessness. Makes me think of Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes where he says, meaningless, meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Creation, our cosmos, was subjected, enslaved to meaninglessness and futility, not willingly." That's what Scripture says. So here's our creation. It is created to be a provision for mankind, the image of God. It was used to be a provision for us to take care of us and suddenly it didn't willful not that the creation has a will but it wasn't like creation said yeah let's just sin no creation was subjected to why because mankind adam had dominion and that dominion was given over to darkness so now creation is subjected to meaninglessness what am i mean by meaninglessness futility Because it can no longer if mankind is dead in sin, we're dead, death and sin now reign, then there's no meaning to its provision. It's supposed to provide and take care of the life God has provided here. God, what is life? God is the spirit of God who breathed life into man, and to provide for that life, he created the cosmos. So the cosmos function is to provide for the life. And suddenly the life is gone because sin and death have entered into it. And now it has, it's meaningless. The whole creation has no meaning because mankind is in death and sin. And because of that, it says that creation um, is, it's, it's thrown into this, but it says because of him who subjected it in hope. well, There's this hope in what? Those who subjected it. But they have a hope in who? In Christ. So now there's suddenly this tie that creation, creation's hope is in man, and man's hope is in Jesus. It goes on verse 21. Because creation itself also will be delivered from bondage of corruption into glorious liberty. So creation is going to be what? Delivered from this bondage of futility. It will be delivered. Creation will be delivered, you know, and and you go. It is, but notice it says into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Suddenly, is that like going? Listen, creation's deliverance depends upon the glory and the freedom given to God's children. Suddenly, there is this tie into. Wait a minute. God's children being delivered has something to do about the deliverance of creation. And then verse 22 says, For we know that all creation groans and labors with birth pangs. When you start thinking about birth pangs or birth pain, <coughs> we immediately begin thinking about what? The end time. Matthew 24. Or when when, did, when is the end going to come? Revelation. we're we told what? Jesus talks about when you see these things happen, these are the beginning of the birth pangs the birth pains, but creation has been groaning and laboring in these birth pains until this this very moment till now, right now. Why? Because creation didn't want to be in the position it's in. And I say didn't want to be creation does not have a consciousness or a will, but it was not made for what it's been subjected to. And so it, it groans, creation groans. There's this groaning going on in creation. And, um, and you see that for every... Jesus talked about, well, what, what are those groans? Well, what are the birth, birth pangs are earthquakes or famines or pestilence. Those natural disasters or hurricanes. When you see this, creation wasn't made to do that. But sin and darkness has caused creation not to function correctly. And now there are these pangs in creation. Stars explode in space and things happen. Comets crash into planets, meteors, and things, Things, you know, literally things fall out of the heavens, right? Uh, these things happen because of their birth pangs. They're, they weren't made for creation, yet it's happening. But yet, there's this what? There's this little bit about, there'll be a deliverance for creation. There'll be a deliverance for creation. Well, it's, Let's let's lead a little bit more into some of this this stuff. Um, see, I'm pausing here because I'm going. Man, do I want to go to my Revelation? Do I want to go my, my my Corinthians? Uh, let's let's go Genesis. If you remember Genesis one eight through ten, I read and God called the firmament heaven, and then He made the earth. Revelation twenty one one. This is sort of the opposite end, and I love. Genesis and Revelation together go hand in hand, but Genesis twenty-one-one says, "Now I saw." This is the Apostle John; he's writing about the end. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no more sea. Do you understand? This is a direct reference to Genesis one-eight through ten, where God God created the heavens and He called the firmament heaven, and He saw evening and morning the second day. Then the Next day, God says, uh, he made the dry land, he called it earth, and then he gathered together the waters and called them sea, and he saw that it was good. So, here in Genesis, God made the heavens and the earth and the sea, and then in verse 21, one of Revelation, we see that suddenly God says, or John's saying, that he sees God create a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth, which were created in Genesis, are passed away. And there was no more sea. So that sea that God even made. It, this is a whole new creation. Revelation 21. John is seeing God remake creation. Because why? Because creation needs to be delivered. Revelation one five, Verse 5. Then he who sat down on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. So here, this thing is, here's Jesus. He's sitting on the throne. He says, behold, I make all things new. What does he mean, all things new? Many times, we grab, that's you and me. He's making you and me new. Oh, we're new. We're new creations. We're new creation. Well, that is part of being born again. And that is part of the resurrection. But you have to understand, when we are resurrected, when we are, are moving into this new point of our life, God will also all things new. I don't have the scripture with me, but in John chapter one was talking about in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. And it goes on. And it talks about Jesus that, that it was in him and for him and through him, that all things were made. And it says all things, all things. And then here we have in, 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 Revelation 21, five, Jesus saying, Behold, I make all things new. All of the cosmos will be new. Why? Why? Well, let's let's get, get into the meat as we wrap up this. First Corinthians chapter 15. And I'm going to read two portions of scripture from this. Verses 40 through 46, and then 50 through 57. But let's read really look at 40 through 46 first. It says, There are also celestial bodies and terrestrial bodies. But the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars. For one star differs from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption and is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown in natural body, it is raised in spiritual body. There is a natural body, there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last, Adam, became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, and afterward, the spiritual. Okay, obviously this time of the resurrection, that the God's going to give us spiritual bodies, new spiritual bodies. But notice this, in the first part it says there are celestial bodies and terrestrial bodies. Bodies. It's real easy to get caught up with saying, well, the celestial bodies are like the stars and the sun and the moon. And through English and the way we use the word heavens, because we can say, well, I'm looking up into the heavens and we're talking about the space. But that's not what it's referencing here. It's like the second day when God made the heavens. That's not space and stars because that happened on the fourth day. This is the spiritual realm. And here, when he says, He's talking about what? He's talking about spiritual and physical. That's why you have a physical body, natural body, and a spiritual body. He starts with what? There are celestial bodies. There are heavenly. There are spiritual being bodies. And terrestrial. Terrestrial means of the earth. So terrestrial means something of, of the earth. And when it's talking about of the earth here, it's not talking about planet earth. It's talking about the cosmos earth. And he's saying the glory of the celestial is one. There's a glory to the spiritual and there's a glory to the, the physical, you know, and then the glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars. Again, now we're referencing a little bit of like uh, the fourth day. But it's funny, so some of the stars and then one star differs from another star in glory. When you go to the fourth day, he talks about there's lights in the sky Oh, there's lights in the sky. Excuse me. That's my bad English. It says that there are lights or luminous, luminaries, in the heavens. And then he turns around and he makes, it says, and then he makes the stars also. He made the sun, he made the moon. Oh, and then he also made the stars. Well, if he suddenly, as like almost an afterthought, oh, he also made the stars, then what were the light or the luminaries in the heavens? Because they were there before the stars. Well, these are these angelic bodies and there's this there's this tie-in that's another teaching for the future why why angels were are, are connected to certain stars and that gets into when satan fell and you got these fallen angels and why there's astrology and all this occultic stuff associated with that because there's this tie-in but again he's talking about you know there's there's these heavenly bodies there's these earthly bodies there's a sun there's a moon there's different types of stars and then he goes, what? But the, it, he's tying this to what? There's something about there being tied into. So also is the resurrection. So now he's comparing the resurrection. where We're physical, but we're going to get a new, a new spiritual body. And he tells us, let's look at verse 50 through 57. It says, now I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery, we shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed, in a moment in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed, for this incorruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this incorruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, it starts off by saying what? Flesh and blood, the physical, cannot enter the kingdom of God. And it says, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. If you... Go up a little bit and it says in in verses uh, 42 where it says the body is sown in corruption and is raised in incorruption. Again, I'll refer refer back to the Romans 8 where it talks about creation is subjected uh, to fertility. But verse 21 says creation itself will be delivered from the bondage of corruption. Creation is in corruption. And we're seeing here, even though it's talking about the resurrection, there's this thing about, listen, the physical, it can't inherit the kingdom. Because why? Because of corruption. It, 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 it's this thing, it's, it's corrupted, and it inherits incorruption. So if it's going to inherit incorruption, it can't move into the kingdom. It can't, can't be delivered. And so therefore, when God raises man from the dead, you get this spiritual body. And it says, you know, this is the mystery. Behold, this is the mystery. And it's not a mystery because it's hidden, it's a mystery because we it's hard to understand. But we're going to be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. You know, and 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 then this is what? And this is talking about not just the dead, but there will be some people that will be alive when this happens. for we're not all asleep, we'll be changed in the trouble sound. But notice this, is, and the dead will be raised what? Incorruptible. In other words, there's this resurrection where suddenly they're no longer in corruption. People that are alive will no longer be in corruption. Yes, I'm saved. God has forgiven me all my sin. I'm cleansed. But I'm living in this fleshly body in a sinful world. I'm not perfect. And if God says what? In a twinkling of an eye, that will be changed. The, this why well, I'm being saved. I, I will be saved. In that moment, I'm changed. In a twinkling of an eye, you know, in a thousandth of a second, I'm I'm changed. In verse 53, for the corruptible must put on incorruptible. Mortal must put on immortality. Corruption puts on incorruption. See, when this happens, when this moment happens with mankind, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? Understand, this has an effect on creation. No, Jesus didn't die to save the cosmos. But in saving us, you and me, humanity, God is restoring us to what? The position that Adam had in the garden. That's what God is restoring us to. He's going to restore us to this point of perfection where we will have bodies without sin, flesh without sin, spirits without sin, minds without sin. Uh, He's going to restore us. And that happened from the finished work of the cross And our spirits are instantaneously saved and cleansed. Our minds is in a transformation process. Our minds are continually having to figure out what it means to be saved. And 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 when we stand before God, our souls will be cleansed. Will be and our bodies, we're gonna get new bodies. The present body we have, it's 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 God's gonna get rid of it. He's gonna exchange it for a new one. And when this happens to us and we are restored, there was that portion of Genesis where God gave dominion of creation to man well suddenly when that happens when creation is restored to man that creation is no longer subjected to futility and what happens is that in this moment John says I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the old has passed away God says behold I've made all things new God will remake in a twinkling of an eye, this creation that he has for us. I know this is a difficult concept to understand, and but there's so much about our walk today, about I'm not to love the world, I'm not supposed to be enamored by the world systems, I'm supposed to walk in a kingdom dominion, and understand that my kingdom dominion, there's a future world that I will be taking care of, and. There's a scripture says that if if you're if you're a good steward with little, if you're responsible with little, he will give you much. Um, we need to be good with taking care of the dominion of the creation that we have available to us, not the not the dominion of the quote world. We're not supposed to take care of the lust of the eyes. No, that's we're not supposed to have that in us. That's, that's not of the father but the world that we see around us being responsible for man god made this creation i'm gonna i'm gonna try to my best to take care of this little bit what little i have around me that i'm responsible for i'm gonna do what god's called me to do here because later on there'll be a new heaven and a new earth so father i thank you lord i know this is a difficult teaching and we often just skip it because it's not something that's we see as important. But, Lord, I thank you for it, God. And I, and I, Lord, I, I thank you that you're helping to correct us, God, that we, we need to see the world as you see it, God. We need to see people as you see people, God. Not how we see it in broken flesh, but through the eyes of your spirit, God. Father, I thank you for what you're doing in our lives. And we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. You can continue this series, Chronicles of the Kingdom. You can find those episodes at our website, christianimpact.net. You can also learn more about our ministry, and feel free to drop us a line sometime. And until next time, God bless.